Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Recorded live. Welcome, everyone, once again to the House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Keith Allen. Thank you for joining us here this week. Um, this week is going to be a good week again, as, as every week is a good week in what God's Word. Uh, today we'll be speaking about not only keeping your guards up, but not condemning someone out of Due to lack of knowledge, I'm going to put it that way, due to lack of knowledge. Um, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 30, 33, it speaks of being a, being a watchman. <clears throat> if God gives us a word, we are to give that word. And if we don't give that word, then, that, then the uh, consequences come back on us. We are responsible. And then in Ezekiel chapter 34, it speaks of the good shepherd. And then and um, Ezekiel prophesies against all the false shepherds of the land. And that's where we get in today, being on watch and watching out for those false shepherds. Because all of us can easily be led astray when, when it comes to a false shepherd. And will we come out of the book of Jude today? <clears throat> And, um, again, this is going to be a good one. Jude is this book right before Revelations. So if you can get yourself there, I'll go ahead and uh, put us in prayer. Uh, give God thanks and glory for what he has given unto us. Dear Heavenly Father God, we come to you in prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We thank you for this blessed day in the name of Jesus, dear Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you cover us, dear Lord God, continue, dear Lord God, to watch over us and forgive us, dear Lord God, of our sins. Forgive us all of our, our judgmental minds, dear Lord God, and may you continue, dear Lord God, to uplift us and keep us in good spirits. We thank you for this blessed day in the name of Jesus, dear Lord God. We thank you for a new life abundantly, dear Lord God, and waking us up this morning. We thank you for good health in Jesus' name, dear Lord God. We thank you for all of our loved ones, our family members, friends, co-workers, any associates, Lord God, that you have come in contact with us throughout our lives to help us along the way, to help guide us, to Lord God, to give us that, that word of encouragement as we go through our lives. We thank you, Lord God, for your wise counsel. We thank you for your blessed word in which we're about to receive here today, Lord God. May it be marrow upon our bones, Lord God. May it be forever, Lord God, within our souls, enriching us, Lord God, uplifting us in the name of Jesus. We thank you for all these things to be done, dear Lord God, according to your will, your grace, your mercy, and your might. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. So, and in the book of Jude, there, there, the book of Jude, I don't even want to call it a book, it's a letter. It's only, uh, it's not even a chapter. Um, but for what it's worth, it has a lot in it pertaining to the way we carry out certain acts in this Christian walk. Um, it's teaching us how to be fruitful, not passing judgment, not um, going about something without knowing what's going on uh, before you before you open your mouth uh, or pass judgment. Uh, and it talks about again keeping your eye out for the, for the for the false preachings and teachings of the world today, and also looking out for one another. Like I said, this one little letter that that was written has so much intel in it. Um, but I hope you get God, God's message today because it is very, very important, okay? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start on verse 3. Again, we're in Jude, right before Revelations. Verse 3, Beloved, while eagerly preparing to write to you about the salvation we share, meaning the common or same salvation that they have in common, I find it necessary to write an appeal to you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain intruders have stolen in among you or creeped in among us. People have come in unwillingly, unknowingly to us, okay? Intruders, like someone breaking into your house. They're unwanted, but yet they're there. Okay? People who long ago were designated for this condemnation as ungodly. Long ago, they were, they were, they were ungodly. But yet somehow they're, in, they're dwelling in the house of God and causing mischief amongst the body of Christ. Who pervert the grace of our God into lasciviousness and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now you may sit there and think, well, how can that be? Everyone is pe preaching Jesus. Everyone is preaching this. But answer this: Are they are they preaching it and living it? Are they carrying it out, or are they giving you a word and twisting it and enslaving you once again? Some people tell you what the, the do's and don'ts of the Christian walk, and there's not that many do's and don'ts of the Christian walk. If you walk upright, knowing that everything you do is just to one another to your family members, to your friends, to your community, wherever you are, if it is just, if you're acting in, in, out of love, out of kindness, isn't that the Christian walk? So how many do's and don'ts do you need when you're actually performing everything out of love? But there are a lot of preachings and teachings out there that bind us up to tell us what we can and can't do that we can't go left, that we can't stay on this side of town, that we can't hang out with these people because they're not like us. If that was the case, none of us would be saved because Jesus hung out with those that were not like the others. They were not like the, 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 the people in the, in the synagogues. They were not like the, you know, the, the, the upper echelons of the, of the uh, community at the time. If he doesn't do this, we're not saved. But he comes to those who are unfamiliar to him, to save them. And that's what he's calling us to do. Go out. Preach the word. That's what he told his disciples. Go out into the world to preach this word. He didn't say, don't go to that person or this person. He's trying to tell you, you got to spread the word. No matter what. But there are teachings out there that kind of segregate us from the rest of the world, try to put us in this little box, and try to make us out to be better than one another. 
And that's the wrong that's the wrong mentality to have. God wants us all to be on one accord. God wants us all to share his love. For whatever he has given to one, he wants all to have. So he wants to go out sharing that. Okay? So, verse 5. Now I desire to remind you, though you are fully informed that the Lord who wants for all saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Now think about that. He saved them. But yet everyone that left out of Egypt, say Caleb and, uh, and uh, Joshua, everyone died because of their unbelief, because of their wavering faith. Don't let your faith waver based on false teachings. Be watchful, as in Ezekiel 33. Be mindful of the things that are going on in this world that easily persuade us to go to the left when we should be going to the right, or vice versa, whichever or. The world is full of deceit. The world is full of luxuries. The world is full of a lot of things that the flesh wants and desires. But the world is not full of the spirit because none of us are in tune with the spirit as we should be. We, we've lost the essence of that all. So we need to understand of how to go about to maintain ourselves in the body of Christ. Okay? Maintaining ourselves in the body of Christ is very important. Again, this whole this letter is about you checking yourself, putting yourself in check, in other words. So he, he destroyed everybody that he, he brought out of Egypt after he saved them. Why? Because we have the tendency to think that, oh, I'm saved, I went and got baptized last week, or I went to, uh, you know, receive the Holy Spirit, or whatever it is that we say we, we do, but yet there's nothing different about us. So you see how that works? The, the, the children of Israel came out of Egypt, saved, baptized, Holy Spirit dwelling amongst them, but there was nothing changed about them. And because of this very fact, they lost their way. So you can't ever come to the point to say that I know it all. I've reached the pinnacle of my walk in Christ. You can't say that. That's when you're sure to fall. Because that's what Satan's waiting on, because that was his fall. He thought he reached the pinnacle and that he could be the great one that no one knew more than he did, that no one was greater than him. And that's the mentality that some of us have today, that we think that we know it all. We are wiser than all. We are holier than all. But we're not. So when you have that mindset, there's nothing about you that wants to change because you deem yourself at that point where there's no change needed, you think that you have everything that you need for this Christian walk, and you don't. As you've seen the children of Israel when they were walking about, in the wilderness they were doing whatever they wanted to do, bringing up false gods. So they had those, the same mentality that they had in Egypt. After God freed them, they were still enslaved to their own lust and their own flesh. And that's what happens when we get high-minded. We enslave ourselves to our lust and our flesh because we don't understand everything, but we think we know it all. We think we understand it all, and we don't. That's called close-mindedness. And God, God calls that ignorance. Because you can't receive anything new. You can't receive wise counsel from God. You can't receive any new newness, new new manner from God. 
because you're trying to hold on to all the old things that you think are that, that enriched you so. Those old things are the ones that kept you enslaved. And when God freed you, you, you continue to try to hold on to them. And watch how this plays out. Now, verse 6, And the angels who did not keep their own position but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains in deep, deepest darkness for the judgment of the great day. So even the angels, like we said, Lucifer and all those that followed him, thought that they had it all together, and they left the place, just like Adam and Eve. They had a place and because something in them wavered or was lacking the Holy Spirit at the time, it caused them to fall, and they left the holy place in which they should have stayed to receive more and more of God. But when you leave that place, God no longer wants to deal with you but until you get yourself right. Not saying that he will forsake you. Not saying that he will leave you. No, but he wants you to work on you. You have to work on yourself to get yourself right. No one else can do that but you. Not your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your uncle, your cousin, niece, nephew, whoever, son, daughter. It doesn't matter. This is between you and God, and God is waiting on you to correct you. He may send a word through someone else, but that word still has to work in you. You have to receive that word and allow that word to manifest itself in you, allow it to grow. Now, this is pertaining to yourself. But there's going to come something here in this, in this chapter here that's going to be pertaining to others and how you deal with others as well. And this is going to be a little heavy on a lot of us because we all done it before. <laughs> right? <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me. Verse 7. Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which in the same manner as they, the angels, indulged in sexual immortality and persuaded unnatural lust. Everything was through the flesh feeding the flesh of all its desires and wants. And through this, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. They put themselves there. You, so picture this. You're in a heavenly place. And because you feel that you've you come to a point where you don't need, as some of us would say, and I've heard people say it, and I've heard you know, even celebrities doing interviews say it, they feel that they didn't need God anymore because they figured they've gotten to a point where they got it all under control. They can handle it from the, from here. Well, I got it from here. Don't worry about it, God. I got it. So you go to that heavenly place, and boom, you're falling. So you... You've come from a heavenly place, and because of all the actions through the lust of your flesh, you have placed yourself in a punishment of eternal fire. You talk about a straight 180. Now, that's a 180. Total opposite. I may eat paradise to go, go grow your own food. I'm not growing it for you anymore. And what did God say? That the, the earth will not yield itself as it openly did before to you. You gotta work for it all now. <clears throat> Verse eight. Yet in the same way these dreamers also defile the flesh, reject authority, and slander the glorious ones. So through the flesh, you're, 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 you're having the flesh be defiled through your actions, through your works, through your words. You reject authority, the authority of God himself. 
and slap the glorious ones. Now, God placed some people, like he said, in, into, into darkness, into eternal fire. Now, get this. Verse 9. But when the archangel Michael contended with the devil and disputed about the body of Moses, because Satan wanted that body, he figured if he can grab this body of Moses and resurrect it and, and bring it to, to, to life and fool the people, that's what it's talked about earlier, people creeping in that, you, that you're unaware of. So he figured if he can come in the form of Moses, and see whatever he says, the people will believe it because of the image. Now you see why God doesn't want images. Because we as humans, we can easily be deceived by images. Looks like Moses, talks like Moses, whatever he says must be right. And we can be swept away, laid down the wrong path. Just that easy. And that's why Michael's like, no, you will not take this body. So he's contending with the devil about the body of Moses. And he did not dare to bring a condemnation of slander. Now, I told you something here was going to get at, get about all of us. And this is what's going to get at all of us. Because you recall, back in verse 8, it said, we slander the glorious one. They still have, God never said he was taking any kind of power away from them because what he created them to do, they, it, it, it's still there for them to do whether they do it or not, just like us. God created us to do something whether we do it or not. It's still in us. It just has to be activated or reactivated. So Michael knew better did to pass judgment on Satan himself. But we pass judgment on him every day. And who does judgment belong to? Does it belong to us or does it belong to God? So even Michael, the archangel himself here, contended with the devil and dared to bring a and, and did not dare to bring a condemnation of slander against him. So he didn't pull off the, the whole Cain and Abel thing. See, Cain went about dealing with Abel of something he had no understanding of. He was upset with Abel for something that was going on with him. So likewise, Michael comes to Satan, which is his heavenly brother. They were created. They were both an archangel. Who is he to condemn his own brother? He don't know what's going on with him. He said, whatever's going on with Lucifer, I have no idea. So therefore, I cannot judge what I do not know. He's not in the know. So he wouldn't dare to bring slander against him. But however, he does say this. He said he wouldn't bring slander against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Just as Jesus said, Satan get behind thee. He didn't slander his name. He didn't do anything about it. Because judgment day will come. But who are we to judge? But these people who have crept into the church slander whatever they do not understand. And they are destroyed. So they slander everything they do not understand. They destroy those things that, like irrational animals, they know by instinct. So it's kind of like, and now I'm going to take an alligator, for example. An alligator is a gluttonous eater. It eats and it eats. Not until it gets full. An alligator can be full to it's about to explode. And it will continue eating and it will regurgitate up and continue eating. 
and it continues this out throughout the day. If an alligator can find food, it will eat it. It does not store up for tomorrow. It does not do anything. It just continuously consumes. And these people who have crept into the church are consuming souls, condemning them to hell. Check yourselves to make sure that you're not following these false teachers and preachers as in Ezekiel 34 speaks of false shepherds who are out for own personal gain, out for own satisfaction, financial gains. And yeah, they may feed the sheep to keep them just healthy enough to continue to produce for them. But they're not truly giving back to the flock. They're not truly tending to the flock. They could care less about the flock or the body of Christ. But this is what they're doing. They've crept in and they're destroying everything about what what Christ came to build up here and, and show us how we actually should be. Now it says in verse 11, Woe! them, for they go the way of Cain and abandon themselves to Baal's error for the sake of gain and perish in Korah's rebellion. It says right there, in, in, in the way of Cain, because of the lack of understanding, as it said earlier here in verse 10, but these people slander whatever they do not understand. They speak against, they teach against everything they do not understand. So as long as they sound right, so as long as they are just like the Pharisees, I've been doing this thing for the last 500 years, I'm going to keep teaching and preaching it just that way, the way my ancestors did it, because if I change it now, they're going to think of all of us as liars and fools. But no one wants to redeem themselves and say, you know what, I was wrong. I was wrong and I'm sorry for teaching you this way. I was wrong. I did not understand at the time, but the Holy Spirit has shown me, has opened my eyes. No one wants to do that. So what do they do? They slander the Holy Spirit by speaking against it. When the Holy Spirit drops something on you, you are to give it. Again, Ezekiel chapter 33, Holy Spirit gives you something. He says, son of man, tell the people this. If I give you a word, you are to give it as I had given it to you, without changing it up, without adding to it, without taking it away. Just as God gives it to you, you are to deliver it. But they come in like, wait a minute, that's not going to work. That does me no good. So they, against the spirit, they go the opposite way because it doesn't benefit them. But that word was to benefit the flock, and the flock doesn't get that, that word that truly uplifts it, that increases it. They preach prosperity, new house, new car, new job, new this, new that, all of this, abundancy, abundancy. God said nothing of the sort. Rebuke thee and get behind thee, Satan. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things shall be added unto you. Ask in faith, and God will give it unto you. And faith. So if they're teaching you all these things, and there's no faith behind it, and your faith is not growing, and you go to God asking and seeking with no faith behind it, and then you go, well, you prophesied it to me, and it didn't come true. Well, I prayed for it, and it never came to be. God didn't answer my prayers because there's no faith behind it. That meal that you ate that day of that word had no faith in it, and you yourself had no faith in yourself to understand and have no faith in God to know that whatsoever you do, you do by the Spirit. not by yourself, not through your flesh, not through your lust, not through your own understanding. Verse 12, 
and this is the thing, these are blemishes on your love feast. While they feast with you without fear feeding themselves. They feed themselves. They come to our festivities. They come to whatever uh, godly festival we're having. They come to our revivals. They come to our anniversaries. They come to this and they come to that. And gimme, gimme, gimme. Without any fear of God. And what did it say? The fear of God leads to understanding. Because they fear God, they have no understanding. Verse 10, without understanding. They can not only not feed themselves, but they can't feed you. Woe to this world. They are waterless clouds carried along by the winds. Autumn's trees without fruit, twice dead, uprooted. Wild waves of the sea casted up from the foam of their own shame. Wandering stars for whom the deepest darkness has been reserved forever. Twice dead. Remember Jesus said, you will not be harmed by the second death if you believe in him and if you follow his ways. But if you do not follow his ways, the second death will consume you. And we all know what that second death is. It comes judgment. And again, if you're you're not in accordance with God, if you're not on the up and up with God, it doesn't matter if someone's teaching you incorrectly. Again, remember I said this is a self-check. So what are you doing to feed you? Because, yeah, if the shepherd doesn't tend to the field so that the sheep have enough to eat in the field, don't you see sheep starting to wander off and go find a, 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 a patch of green somewhere? They go find some kind of vegetation to eat. Man, this field over here is brown and dead. And what do you, you see them do? They start wandering off, boom, 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 boom. Here's some green grass over here, guys. Let's go. But some of us, we stay right there in that green, in that brown field, waiting for that grass to grow, waiting for it to grow, waiting for it to grow. And that, shepherd, that same shepherd is there feeding you the same stuff he fed you last year, and it's nothing happening. There's no change in you. There's no growth in you. The next thing you know, you start, start to see bones. You start to wither away. You start to look sick because you're not being fed. You don't have the proper nutrition. You don't have the proper word of God in you. And without that, you perish. You perish because you are responsible for you. Stop making it about the shepherd. The shepherd can sit there all he wants. And if 100 yards of his field is brown, and you'd rather stay right there in that brown patch versus moving to a, a greener patch, who's that on? Because the shepherd, if it's one of these people, as this, this scripture said, that's only there for them, themselves, they're truly not there for you to enhance you in any way, they're not going to guide you to a greener pasture. A good shepherd will say, this grass is dead, let me move the sheep to a greener pasture, and come back and try to get this this deadness fixed up. Let me tend to this dead grass so my sheep can come back and be fed properly. But not all teachers and shepherds are the, uh, are the same way. We're not all built the same. I agree, but we should all be doing the same in Christ. Verse 14, it was also about these that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, saying, see, the Lord is coming with ten thousands of his holy ones to do what? Execute judgment on all. Not to, to, to judge them, just rebuke them. 
Ask them to be removed from your, from your presence. Don't worry about what they're doing. In the last chapter of John, Peter, Peter asks Jesus about Judas. And, and he said, what about this one? And Jesus said, what is it to you if I have him tarry till I come? What is it to you? What these people are doing? Don't worry about it. Because Jesus follows up with Peter and he asks him three times, do you love me? Jesus, and Peter says, yes, Christ, you know I love you. What do you say? Feed my sheep. Ask him again. Peter, does thou lovest me? You know I love you, Master. Why do you ask this of me? Feed my sheep. Again, third time he asked him, Peter, does thou lovest your Lord Jesus Christ? Christ, you know I love you. I'm, I'm, I'm your boy. I'm standing right here. You know I love you. Why are you, why are you ridiculing me? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. You got to tend to your own. If no one else is going to help them, then you help them. Don't sit here and say, oh, such and such is not doing their job. Such and such is not doing this and is not doing that. It is up to us to help our own. Because if we don't, we all perish. Again, a good watchman gives the word, makes it, make it known unto all the land and anyone else who will hear it. And if you hear that word and you, and you rather disobey it or neglect it, Judgment will come, and Christ will come to you and say, did you not get the word? Just like our parents said, did you not hear me say, do not put your finger in that socket? And what did you do? You put your finger in that socket anyway, right? Zap. Exactly what happened. Christ is going to do the same thing to you. Did I not tell you to, to go and do this? Did I not tell you to go and say this? Did I, and, and if you don't, then guess what? It's on you. But if I get the word and I don't give it, now it's on me. And that's not the way it should be. So, again, tend to yours. Just because someone else is not doing it don't mean you need to let them stay to the wayside. Tend to them and for those who are doing whatever they want to do out there in the world and they don't want to listen to the word, let them be. As Jesus said, what is it to you until I, if I have them tear until I come back? It doesn't matter. Because there are going to be some people out in the world that will be like, why are they still here? How can God allow this? God got this. Stop worrying. Tend to his sheep. Tend to yourselves and your loved ones that you know who are close to you, help them out. Okay? Now he, he, he says here he's going to, in verse 15, to execute judgment on all and to convict everyone of all the deeds <clears throat> excuse me, of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against them. So, God hears our cries. He hears our pleas. He hears our prayers. He knows it. And then we'll be judged on everything and every worry, every woe that comes through us as Christians. And God knows our troubles. He knows our sorrows. Someone puts us through something. Believe me, God hears your cries. He knows that you're trying to reach out to him. And he hears those, those, those cries. He hears those desires to say, fix this God. And he will. 
It may not be done in our, our time and day, but when judgment comes, everyone of ungodliness will get theirs. In verse 16, these are grumblers and malcontents. <clears throat> they indulge their own lust. They are bombastic in speech, which we know there can be some, some, some smooth talkers out there. Flattering people to their own advantage. But you, beloved, must remember the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. For they said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers indulging their own ungodly lust. I'm not here to point fingers. I'm just here to, to read the word. Because we know there, there are people out there doing these things. We understand this. Rebuke them. Move on. Take care of yours. Don't sit there and slave under some person because you think you owe them something. You owe God and God alone. He is your Lord. He is the master. None other. Verse 19, it is these worldly people, devout of the Spirit, who are causing divisions. These worldly people, void, in other words, of the Spirit, devout, who are causing divisions. That's what they're doing. But you, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. You build yourself up, not anyone else. We spoke about that earlier. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Look forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on some who are wavering. So if you see someone wavering, you know a family member, a friend, whoever, you see them wavering, don't let them. Build them up. Remember I said, tend to the flock. That's what he told Peter to do in the book of John. Feed the flock. And all it was, Jesus was trying to correct Peter through repentance. As he passed judgment on a brother man, and he also (coughs) himself denied Christ three times. And for every time he denied Christ, Christ wanted an answer of love, of repentance from Peter. He could have asked him that that one time, Peter, do you love me? And he would say, yes, be my flock, be done with it. But because Peter denied him three times, Jesus wanted to hear three times, do you love me? Every time you rebuked me, you you had uh, refused me and denied me. Tell me you love me. And if so, if you do love me, you will lead, you will teach, and you will feed my flock in a way that I will have them to be taught, led, and and, and, uh, and, uh, and preached to. That's what Jesus is about. Correction, truth, and eternal life. I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. I know that. But God wants to bring it to the front of your memory of how things work here. It's not about who your preacher is, who your bishop is, who your apostle is, who your Sunday school teacher is, whatever. It's about you building you up in Christ. It's about you not passing judgment on something you do not understand. 
In all thine, excuse me, in all thine getting, get understanding. It says it about four times in Proverbs. Now, verse 22, again, and have mercy on those who are wavering. Save others by snatching them out of the fire and have mercy still on others with fear, hating even the tunic defiled by their bodies. In other words, don't hate the person you hate the sin. That's what it's saying. The, 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 <clears throat> the flesh is going to have its it's going to have its wounds. It's going to have its, it's going to have its uh, uh, blemishes. But it's not about the flesh. It's about the soul that's within. Saving the people from within so that it shines outward, that the blemish doesn't matter anymore. God says you turn to him, and when you turn to him and you change your ways, your sins are remembered no more. We can't allow one another to falter, to fall, but to take care of the body of Christ. Just like you take a, a bath or shower daily, just like you brush your teeth daily, you're taking care of a piece of the body of Christ. You're making sure it is in order. You don't neglect one part and just think it's going to be okay. You know, it's like lifting weights. Oh, I can lift 500 pounds, you know, I'm big and strong as an ox. But you can't run a block up the road because you have no cardio. You have to remember all facets of the body of Christ and making sure that none are in lack. So if you have a flock of 100, you make sure all 100 are well taken care of, that no one is esteemed above the other. Now I'll part you with this. Now, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory, rejoicing to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time and now and forever. And that's just the closing of that letter, and I wanted to read it because it just gives the, the honor and glory to God. But just remember, contend with yourselves. Don't pass judgment, especially on something you don't understand. Rebuke it, if anything, and let God deal with it. And most importantly, do not be misled by false teachers, by false leaders. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide and to teach. Once again, I thank you all for joining us here at the House of David. Here in our ministry, we, are, we, we look forward to doing these teachings each and every week. We don't call them pre, um, you know, preaching or, or sermons. They're, 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 they're lessons from God, and that's what it is, a teaching, and that's what it should be. And we hope you guys enjoy all this stuff that, we, that God is bringing to the table. Continue to support us once again. You can reach us at our website, houseofdavidchurch.com, or email us at onehouseofdavid at gmail.com as well. Again, I'm Pastor Keith Allen, and thank you once again for joining us here at the House of David. Thank you.